Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Thank you for joining us on Lead Time. My name is Tim Allman, and I am here with Tanya Kalendo. She is a principal at Christ Greenfield Lutheran School. Uh, unfortunately, Jake is still watching his kids today, being a good dad, and uh, I know Nicolette appreciates you, Jake. So it's just going to be Tanya and I having a conversation today. Let me tell you a little bit about Tanya. Before I do that, let me tell you about our topic. We're talking about our purpose and our mission figuring out our white hot why. Why are we doing what we're doing? What wakes you up in the morning, gets you out of bed and moves you into life with great purpose and passion and mission for all the things that Jesus is going to lead you into. And Tanya is going to have great tips for us today toward that end. Tanya arrived on campus here at Christ Greenfield in July of 2014. It was just about a year after I came here. She grew up in Wisconsin and has lived in New York, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Illinois before arriving in Arizona. She received a Bachelor of Arts in Education and History from Concordia, Bronxville in 1989 and received a Master's in Education in with a counseling emphasis from Northern Illinois University in 1993. And just a side note, in working with you for four years, your counseling background has come in so, so handy uh, because... You may think Christian schools are perfect. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, it, it can be messy sometimes, and you walk through the mess so, so beautifully. She served as an elementary teacher while also serving as an assistant principal at Emanuel Lutheran in Crystal Lake, Illinois, from 1997 to 2005. She has also worked in higher education as a college counselor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and St. Norbert College. Mrs. Kalendo and her husband, Joe, uh, a college and career counselor at Queen Creek High School. That's what Joe does. They have two sons that attend Christ Greenfield Lutheran School and one, their oldest son, that is an alumni of our school. And we are so happy to have you here, Tanya. This is going to be a lot of fun. All right. So please share with us, Tanya, the power of finding and living your personal mission statement. Why is that so important? Well, well, thank you, Pastor. Um, when you, <laughs> and it could be Tim. Wait, I'm just. Oh, you know, sure, okay. sure. Yeah, yeah, but it's good. Um, when you asked me to come and share something, this is what came to my heart right away because it's very personal, and I think other people can relate to being in a spot where I was where I was at. And um, I know what it feels like when you feel like you're not in your purpose, you're not living your purpose. There was a time in my 20s when I started to feel lost, maybe a little frustrated, uh, feeling that I wasn't in my wheelhouse. I know you like to use that word. Uh, and I began to really ask questions and seek God to help me figure it out because, um, there's, there's a, it's an awful place to be when you just think that you maybe are missing something that he is calling you to do. Because if you want to live in obedience, you want to, you want to be smack dab where he's calling you. And, um, I like to read. So I found a book and it was called The Path. It's by Lori Beth Jones. You can still find it. Uh, And by reading that, I went through a process of just really looking inside and uh, seeing what I felt God was was telling me in that moment. I, I believe he leads you to a place of discontent or discouragement when he's about to move you. Yes. And so I was an eager listener and um, it, it made me um, 
as I did all this, it made me really learn a lot about myself. And so the process I'm going to share so others can maybe glean a little bit without reading the whole book is there's a core of it where you're asked to look at all these pages of verbs. And then you keep narrowing it down, narrowing it down until you got three verbs that you feel are gifts or talents that God has poured into you. They're just core. They, they're, they're core, core to you. you. They're yeah. core values. They just get, you know, get you. And then the next part is to think about what you're passionate about in life. Like you in the introduction talked about things that get you out of bed, things that really matter, things that really drive you. And then it asks you to be even a little bit clearer. Is it a certain population? Is it a certain part of that passion? And so back in 1996, um, I came up with a personal mission statement that then changed the course of my life because it was to inspire, encourage, and nurture children as they grow in their faith. Powerful. And here I was, I was single. I was maybe five or six hours away from my extended family. I was not involved in any children's ministry at my church. I was working with college students. And so there was nothing in my <laughs> world that fit this. And it was like, pa- Pastor, I cried when I got this mission statement out because it was so such a relief because it made sense that there wasn't that it really was that I wasn't where God had made me and called me and connected me. It was a path that I kind of maybe orchestrated more so than listening to what he was orchestrating. And so uh, I quit my job. And I moved back home and I looked for a teaching job. And that's what brought me to my home congregation of Emmanuel where my mom and dad were. I moved back home for a short time until I got on my feet and uh, the rest is history. So give me more of the timeline between figuring out that personal mission statement, the power of that, and then actually quitting your job. This is just one story of many stories, but I think a lot of our listeners are maybe there. They're living in a place where mm-hmm. they're not fulfilled in their vocation, and they could clearly articulate in maybe using the path that you just used, uh, what that what could white hot why what could sure. fire them up and uh, and then make that career change possibly like you did. So how long between that? Because Revelation. I was working yeah. at a university, okay. we run in cycles yeah. of academic years. So I completed that year, but I told them early on that this would be the year. And that gave me time to uh, make plans to move ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be respectful of the contract I had signed. That was really important to me for my own integrity. But I also wanted to let them know right away so that they could do that. And I know other jobs don't have that kind of commitment, um, but it was important to me being in a school setting to be respectful so I didn't leave them in the lurch. But it also gave me some time to fill out some of the pieces. And again, being a single woman, I probably had more opportunities because I wasn't supporting a family, you yeah. know, because those are things you think about and having a lead time to put some pieces together. Yeah, it's wonderful. You know, one of the things that makes me sad as a pastor, there's a number of things that make me sad, are people not living in their their sweet spot. Mm-hmm. They're just yearning for for more. They're discontent. I think a lot of times they're they're not present with people. And this is what you bring. You balance me out, by the way. Because oh, I talk really, really fast <laughs> and I run really hard and mm-hmm. I want to suck as much out of life as I can. And your ability to pause and be present in the midst of inevitable chaos makes you such a strong, strong leader. So how have you seen your personal mission statement shape your leadership at our school? Well, I am an introvert pastor and I am someone who stops to think 
that's important um, part of who I am. And I think God blesses introverts, many of us, with the gift of observation. So it is great joy to observe students, staff, parents, and really notice what I what could be gifts that God has poured into them or passions that they have that in their busyness they may have missed seeing themselves. And so I just have great joy in connecting them to uh, maybe a job on our campus hmm. that is in their uh, wheelhouse and it just is, it feels very fulfilling to them or for the students talking about possibilities of service or possibilities of their futures, um, jobs, vocations, or, or any of those things. But I think one of the biggest things is your mission statement is not just your job or your role or anything so specific. It's who you are. And that connects to everything in and about you. And so even in the hard or the messy that happens at school, you still can really connect people in things that maybe mean the most to them. Um, You know, recently I was working with some families and I looked for things that connected them to help bridge a gap that was um, between them. And I think it takes observation. It takes listening. It takes seeing what could be who they are. What are the core values of those families uh, to help them, you know, reconcile? We talk a lot about busyness. And Mm -hmm. in a former podcast with Ryan Bredo, we talked a lot about the the power of busy and how we're seeking to get busy out of our vocabulary and just be present. And your leadership style, when you know your purpose and your mission, it allows you to be present. And then to invite other people who have different kind of missions and purposes to be present for different types of people. So it's one part. This is what the Apostle Paul says, Romans chapter 12 and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a part of your spiritual gifting, right? So is there is there a, a point where you could say my personal mission statement is a part, it's almost synonymous with how God has gifted me. And we may even incorporate oh, some, yeah. some spiritual words, some biblical sure, words. Sure. Yeah. So this makes me think of the elective that you and I are co-teaching right now in the middle school, where I have one day with them on purpose and you have one day with them on leadership, those poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> they look at me like, you are so intense. And I'm like, I don't know anything else. So please be patient. Anyway. That's all good. We're, see, we're the yin and the yang. That's I want right, to see that's your right. Thursday. <laughs> so uh, we look at spiritual gifts. They did a spiritual gift survey, and that was really neat because when I had done the spiritual gift survey when I came on this campus through the Discover class, I was a little embarrassed to not realize that the gift of faith was a spiritual gift. And that was eye-opening for me because I just thought all Christians were like that. Right, right, right. No. <laughs> and because I had gotten feedback from people like your faith. I just don't understand how you think or you believe that God's got it all the time and yeah. all that. And I'm thinking, well, why don't you? Exactly. <laughs> but What's they had wrong? other gifts. They yeah. had other gifts. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. so anyway, so helping the kids see what their spiritual gifts are, what their positive personality traits, what their talents are, which are genetics plus hard work. Mm-hmm. Can't forget the hard work in there. Nope. Um, their leadership styles, their um, influencers, people in their life who God has put to help shape them for who they're going to be for his purposes, their opportunities, their obstacles. Looking at all of um, these pieces is, is all, you know, really important in the part of um, 
who you are, and then your personal mission statement, if it's not lived out, then it really isn't your personal mission statement. Because yeah. the, the whole the whole core of it is the, the, the joy of you're living out all of this that God poured into you, all of those pieces that I just talked about, all coming together so uniquely for each person. I know you have more than one child like I do, and you mm-hmm. see each child is so unique yes. in how what God has poured into them and even their experiences. So it's all of those things in, um, if you're not living it, then you really need to go back to the drawing board yeah. and figure out what, what it is. Absolutely. So tell us a story of someone whose life was changed when they discovered their personal mission statement. Well, I did this talk with women yeah. at a local church and one of the women wept. Oh. I think it was very emotional because in in putting it all together, she realized that her role right now that God was calling her to was really focused in on her family, not on her career. Yes. And seeing that your personal mission statement was not tied to a job, that's but it was just the gifts that got poured into her at some point of her life would be in her career at some point of her life would be in something else. But right now it was really in the home. And that is very valuable because it's God who creates you, God who calls you, God who connects you. And I think she felt like it's not less than it's just different, different, a different season. And if God's in charge of it, it's good, it's very good. and it's valuable. Yeah. Tanya, you maintain personal and professional balance better than uh, many leaders that I've encountered. You are differentiated. This is systems theory from a counseling perspective. You are differentiated. You know who you are. You are a child of God, and yet you yearn to be connected into community. How does your personal mission uh, statement help you maintain professional and personal balance? A lot of people seek balance. So how do you do that? Sure. So professionally, my personal mission statement really helps direct my day. And so that means if it's really about people, the things I have to do about relationships and people are top. And that means that um, all of those things that from um, the staff that I that I have the privilege of working with or the students, that those are the things that I, I spend the most time on. And they can really be time consuming because people are really different and people come, there's so many things you don't know. And to really be observant and take time to think through that, 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 that probably takes the most amount of my time is anything that has to do with relationships or people. And so administrative things get often tabled, or if I'm able to uh, delegate those pieces, I know my, uh, one of my mentors is uh, Dr. Jack Price. And he's been challenging me to do only what Tanya can do best. Yeah. And so because uh, it's not what I do, but what God does through me is he continues to put me in difficult and awkward conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that must be what he wants me to focus on right now, even though it would be easier to uh, type up some documents. <laughs> <laughs> you do a, you do a marvelous uh, so. job in the midst of uh, embracing the awkward. You like to say that yeah. embracing the awkward, you sit in tension and struggle in, in amazing and sensitive and sensitive ways. So talk about your staff. Uh, you sure. lead a number of wonderful leaders, uh, mm-hmm. teachers, administrators in our school. Uh, ha- have you 
you helped them? How have you helped them kind of develop their own personal mission statements? Sure. We haven't gone through an actual workshop of this because I put it together just recently for the women at a local church. But I I do spend a lot of time giving them specific feedback and then giving them opportunities to tell each other um, specific things. One of the things that come up this uh, quarter is that the teachers have a peer partner that goes and observes them in class. And so it's another teacher and they give them feedback based on our core values of Christ, quality and community and what they see in the classroom regarding that. So that's a neat way to uh, pour into each one of the teachers about their individual individuality within those um, different areas. I also um, love to get people connected into specific areas that uh, really fit who they are. We had some structural changes administratively and was able to create a new position that one of our teachers that was not able to be a full-time teacher was really interested in something unique. And it's almost as if the job description was written for her. It's such a great fit of all the things that she brings. And that's brought me a tremendous amount of joy to see how joyful she is. And we pass that on. One of the books that we've been doing as a book study with a staff has been about the growth mindset and the power of the yet. I haven't learned that yet. Um, And also uh, just really having them uh, pass on what they're doing to uh, the students of learning about themselves and the things that they need to grow and things that they see that they do well. That's powerful. So our staff did a, our leadership staff Mm -hmm. did an exercise and uh, my phrase, this was powerful leaders. We went around and never forget the power of encouragement. Mm -hmm. It gives courage and every retreat for us is spent good hour uh, spent on recognizing where God is at work in unique ways, unique ways, blessing each member of our team, that it's so important that they were part of, they're playing a crucial part in God's big story here within the ministry. And so after that, with this exercise, then we kind of whiteboarded a number of different phrases that could be that person's personal mission statement. What the team came up for me was strategic people developer for Jesus mm-hmm. or with I like with Jesus, but the strategic people developer with Jesus. And tell us what we came up for you. Do you remember yours? Mm-hmm, I certainly do. I because that's a big part of it. Point people to Jesus, pointing people to Jesus consistently. And mm-hmm. that's what you do. You know, you're yeah. in a sweet spot when you're pointing people to Jesus. All right, let, let's uh, shift gears here just a little bit. You are obviously a female and a yes. female leader. Okay. Mm-hmm. A few episodes ago, we talked to Shara Markwell um, and talked to her about her posture as a female leader in a high level executive leadership position like you have. Please share words of encouragement to other female leaders who may see their ceiling as possibly super low for what they can and cannot do. Um, and as a dad of two daughters, uh, please speak words of encouragement to our young ladies. Sure. I one of the things that I was really blessed with of course from my parents um especially close to my grandma also and I from very beginning on felt encouraged that uh God had a plan and a purpose for me. And it wasn't any different from my brothers or anything like that and that um they would pour into me early on um things that they could, you know, see me doing. And I really felt even as young as third grade, I wanted to be a teacher. And I think that 
our girls now more than ever are being encouraged by their parents and um, other other mentors, coaches and stuff to dream big. And the dream big is different in the world's eyes than it is in God's eyes. So dream big doesn't mean be a CEO, be a um, director, right? Dreaming big is what we're talking about today. You know, the value of of who you are is not what you do. The value is what God is doing through you. Yes. And if he is a part of it, it is always good. <laughs> and, um, and I think when um, you look up instead of around for your value in, in your identity, it's it's so freeing. To say like um, that I'm not needing to to measure up to any standards that maybe other people have put up. And so even the fact, you know, you think of low ceiling, high ceiling. I mean, I see no ceiling when when God is was is in that from, you know. I, I look in our lobby when our preschool families come in, and that's where you see the mommies, many of them expecting, many of them with little kids. And how could you say that that is not as, as valuable as being a president of a company? You can't. It's just if you are focused in on what is God calling for me, what is his purpose for me at this time? It's about worshiping him. It's about loving others. And then it's about, you know, living out all the things he poured into you. It's not tied to a specific job or anything, but to dream big is to continue to seek God's face for what he calls for you in, in that season. And it can continue to change and um, to not, like I said, have it be in a box of what the world says is success. Yeah. You know, it's what your Lord says is success. And that is the way of Jesus who had every right to take the high place, mm-hmm. took the low place for right. us, even to the point of death. And it was through pain and suffering and weakness and loss that God did and does still today his best work. There's nothing wrong with dreaming big dreams of mm-hmm. changing the world. It's just that to get there, it takes small little investments or drips in the leadership bucket day mm-hmm. after day, presence with people and faithful with little and then faithful with more. If that's God's will, if that's God's right. will and and uh, based on our ability, based on the gifts, it's the parable of the talents, right? To some, he gives one to another five to another 10 or two, you know, and you're called to invest right. and, and double whatever he's given. And there's no room in the kingdom of God for pride, arrogance especially based on power and position. That's not the way of Jesus. You, and you model that so beautifully. Sure. My sister has a beautiful singing voice. And um, I remember hearing a speaker on the radio, t- radio talk about that she had had a sister with a beautiful voice. And sometimes you're like, man, I wish I could sing like my sister. And she said that uh, she felt God really say to her, if I wanted you to sing in that way, I would have made you to sing in that way. I give you voice to talk. And, and she's like, and here I am on the radio. And I was totally missing out that God had given me my voice this way. And my sister, we waste time. We waste, you know, to be jealous of what God has given to other people. You miss out on um, what he's given to you. I mean, it's just, you know. And can, yeah, yeah. Can you see yourself as one part small part of God's bigger story that he's telling. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you see yourself as one small part, you want to encourage 
the heck, I'm sorry I said that, but you want to encourage the <laughs> heck out of the gifts of other people, you know, because to elevate together. them. It comes yeah. together, a beautiful yeah. tapestry of goodness and grace that changes the world. So the small things that you're doing, I like that song, Dream Small, the small mm-hmm. things that you're doing are changing the world. You're a part of that broader sure. story. Well, I think one of the verses goes, he turns, um, he makes oceans from rivers, right? Amen. It's all those pieces. All right. Let, let's just, as we're coming down the home stretch here, let's talk a little bit about brand, a person's individual brand. Ryan Bredo last time said that a brand is seen through a thousand small gestures. It is what people say about you when you leave the room. So is a personal mission statement comparable to a person's individual brand? Absolutely. And I think you had talked about ways you can see if it matches, um, People will give you feedback, especially those really closest to you. Um, We've done this before where you say to someone, I've noticed that. I see in you that. That's a great way. I've also done, I've encouraged um, folks to ask the people closest to them that will tell them the honest truth about you of when they see Jesus in you. You know, because if if it's... um, Again, we talked about this a little earlier. If it's not lived out, then it probably is not what your personal mission statement is. Right. And they need to go back to the drawing board. And there are many different ways. But I think starting with your core values, things that matter the most to you passionately, things that drive you to get up every day, to look at it again. And it may be the verbs that get you. Because I know for me, every time I hear inspire, encourage, and nurture, I'm like, oh, that's oh, so that's me. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it could be that somebody has the right area, but they haven't got the right verbs. Because inspire lets me tell my story. Encourage lets me listen and continue to point them to Jesus. And nurture lets me love on them. And so that was important to get the verbs right. So someone could have the right area that they're passionate about, but they haven't gotten their verbs because it may be more about um, directing. It may be more about... um, uh, other pe- you know, there's, I mean, there's so many verbs, empowerment, yeah, yeah. there's yeah, so yeah. many pieces, but you just have to sit a little bit longer. When I did this process with my husband, it, he started talking and I really needed to listen and getting the right verbs transformed it for yeah. him. Cool. Cool. So if you're a leader and you have your, your goals, your mission statement clearly articulated, here's what you should do. You should let some key people into mm-hmm. your world. Yes. And and you say this, I'm pretty sure, is this, is this accurate? I'm just echoing a lot of what you said. Is this accurate? You see me most alive when I am doing this mm-hmm. uh, strategic developer in you the see, name of you Jesus. You see God you in see me. You see God in me. The mm-hmm. spirit is at work. I'm most alive yes. when I'm doing this. And then you give them permission. When I'm not doing this, I need you to hold me accountable, to shift, Mm -hmm. to reframe. And leader, you have to receive that from those trusted voices. If you become defensive, obstinate, you reject it, come on, man. We all learn and we're all being shaped and we're all being pulled. Yes, we are busy. There's a lot going on in our world. We're being pulled in different directions and we constantly need people to help us focus on our main mission statements, where we're most alive, where we're in our sweet spot. Do you have anybody that kind of does that for you? I have a prayer team, and one of the members of the prayer team has kind of taken her out, taking me under her wing, and so she's someone who will give me specific feedback, uh, encouragement, as well as prayer, and and that's been very helpful. I am also very close to my mom and sister, and uh, having that 
having that feedback and we cannot um, forget the importance of our spouses and our children who see us <laughs> at our darkest days and yeah. can, can really do that. But you touched on something that I really think is important. There are times when we have the right mission statement and we're not living it out and there's some reasons why. And I've come up with five L's to help me. I know you like alliteration, Pastor. Yeah, thank you. This is beautiful. Um, loss of focus. That maybe you didn't get the mission statement right, but or it could be you're too busy and that you're not able to focus in on that. It could be that you've recently experienced loss. The, the grief transition, that can really give you a little bit of a fuzz in the brain and can make it hard to live your purpose. Um, logic, you could put it together, but you're like, well, I don't know if this makes sense in what I'm doing. And so you may be hesitant because it may take a step of faith to quit a job like I did mm. or something like that. And so you have to push through that. The devil does not want us. No to live our purpose that God created in us. So he will tell us lies and he may even use people closest to you to tell you lies. And so it's really important to be grounded in the truth um, to do that. And then it could be lack of support. You may be gung-ho, you're ready to move forward in this, and you may have the closest people around you who don't get it and don't support you. So loss of focus, loss, um, logic, lies, and lack of support. If you find that you've you've made that statement, but it's still not clicking, it could be one of those that are a stumbling block right now. Uh, this has been amazing. You have blessed me and I know our listeners today in powerful ways. The two questions we like to ask as mm -hmm. we close are who's apprenticing you and uh, who are you apprenticing? And then maybe a book or two that you can share what's shaping your mind right now as a leader. Sure. I would have to say Dr. Price is someone who I feel is really um, the person that I look to for when I need um, that little extra in, in understanding he's on our board at church and he's got the school under his wings. And so I very much appreciate his wisdom. I talked about my prayer team and that particular woman who I feel has um, also taken on that role a little bit. And then for me, I, I really connected with our new music teacher, Lisa Blasey, and trying to spend time with her to immerse her in our culture. So we have a set meeting time a lot of weeks. And then also she and I co-lead our family group in the middle school. Cool. And so just really um, delighted for what she brings here is also the person that she is. And I feel like there's certain people that you kind of click with, you know, I feel like we've connected in that way that I may be effective for her because it's a two way street. <laughs> so good. So good. You model presence for people. People are always more important to you than, than projects. You set aside whatever it is, the mission, the goal, all of that for that person who is in need of you. And I know that gets hard because people mm -hmm. push different boundaries, but I just delight in uh, your kindness, your compassion, and yet your clarity and your courage in those uh, tough conversations. So talk to us about a read recently. Sure. I think we've even yeah. referenced this before on, on this that's uh, shaping you. What are you reading? Well, we're doing a book study I in like our, <laughs> I know you do, Pastor, <laughs> uh, with our office administrative team. And it's called Difficult Conversations, because if we're going to get some, they're going to come our way right there. And it has been amazing. We take a chapter a week. And the biggest takeaway that I have so far on chapter, I think we're just about to start chapter three, is instead of having a conversation be, this is the message I need to give you, yeah. a conversation is a time to learn about the other person. And it really 
I get excited. I guess I get a little, you know, giddy. I love giddy, the nerd in me that loves to read and loves to learn that it really is pulling my observation skills to the new level because it's like, what is someone not saying? Huh. And I love that because yeah. I want to, I want to figure out what they're not saying. So it really means listening, but it also means a lot more like, tell me more. Yep. How can I understand more to, to, and then when you're stepping in somebody else's shoes and you're having empathy and the true meaning of empathy, it changes a conversation. It's still difficult, it's still difficult, but it makes it so much more valuable and it will push you through the difficult because of what you can get on the other side. Yeah, that's really, really good. I hope uh, our listeners We'll take a look at that book, Difficult mm-hmm. Conversations. The authors are Patton Stone and Heen. In all of our lives, whether it's in a home or in a workplace, you can either be a leader that runs away from them and is passive, maybe even passive aggressive, or you move right into those hard, hard conversations and have an empathetic listening ear and that you learn the skill of asking way more questions and mm-hmm. following up to go deeper than just trying to be known. I want to know others, mm-hmm. right? This is one of my personal mission statements. I don't want to be a hero. I want to be a hero maker. Um, and that means wading into the waters of, of difficult conversations with others. And uh, you do that in remarkable ways. So Tanya, this has been so, so good. Thank you for giving of your time this day. Friends, uh, like lead time, go to our website, give us some comments on social media, ways we can improve, different guests we could have, different topics that you want to see explored. We are so excited about this forum for us to learn and be shaped by wonderful leaders within the Christ Greenfield Lutheran Church and school community, as well as outside of it as well. Can't wait to have you next time on Lead Time. And thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you, Pastor. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.